Hello and welcome to the Best Boys Podcast. I'm Best Boy Dan. And I'm Best Boy Justin. And today is all about Murica. Uh, we have some of our usual banter, and I finally fulfilled a Best Boys promise. That's right, and then after that we're going to get into a beefy news segment. Uh, and then we're going to bring you all the greasy goodness that is America in anime, and of course our usual top ten list. Um, so, let's get right into it. I finished Fruits Basket. He did it. I did it. I did it. I did it. Um, <laughs> Mission accomplished. Uh, I Actually, I couldn't put it down. It was such a good show. I, I don't know what was going on with me when I was watching it. I think it is definitely a better show to um, to watch kind of in a binge kind of way rather than week to week. Um, especially it being kind of this slow drama that's all about like character progression over like the course of three seasons. Um, it's just, it's harder when you're watching that week to week, at least for me. Um, but truly a, a really great show. I can't wait for you to watch it, Best Boy Justin. You're really going to enjoy it. Yeah, I'll pick it up at some point, I'm sure. Um, especially with, uh, you know, the proximity of uh, best uh, people, uh, Alyssa and Mike. Mm. They're, I feel like their influence is going to make you want to watch it more. Nobody influences me. <laughs> um, but for all those best buds out there, I would strongly recommend it. Um, especially for fans of dramas. Um, it it has funny moments to it, but I think at its core, it's a, it's a drama character piece. Um, especially with it finishing up, there's only one more episode left i can't wait to finish watching it and i think we'll come back and tell you more once once we've seen the whole thing all right next up best buds it's time it is time for our weekly joran check-in i have watched another episode and a half since we last spoke and i am pleased to announce that joran princess of no and blood still doesn't make sense <laughs> but it's still pretty I mean, that's kind of to be expected. And actually, on that note, we might as well just do a Higahiro check-in. Sure. Uh, it still hasn't animated itself. It has one episode left after this. Um, yeah. we. There's, You know what? There's still time for that I one. I was going to so. say, the, the, the turn would have to be sharp, but it could still happen. You know, it's... It could there, do a Schwartz's market. Here's what I will say about the show is the first few episodes were, like, really racy and, like, really, like, uh, this could go directions, but... They've really left off of it. There's been hints. It could still... it Anything could happen. It's an anime. Yeah. Um, yeah, like that time I was watching that anime about East Germany. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah. Um, speaking of the anime about East Germany, uh, let's talk about baseball. What does that have to do with East Absolutely okay, nothing. Cool. But, so, but we did successfully get Best Boy Mike into Ace of the Diamonds. Yes, we did. We and did I'm so excited. We Just, did so many things. <laughs> I'm so excited that that can be shared with him. I think that it's it's really... He's already, like, can't put it down. I mean, I feel I'm like seeing. it's it's one of the best introductions to sports anime, especially for somebody like him who likes baseball. Yeah. So, like, there's definitely something you can relate to, and it's like you get the hype of the sport that you enjoy... And it's, you know, you get the hype that comes from being an anime. Uh, definitely worth checking out Best Buds. Um, especially, like, if you're, like, put off by, uh, you know, older-looking animes. The early season of Epo may not be your thing. But um, Ace of Ace of Diamond looks beautiful through and through. Yeah, I think it's, it's definitely, it's very accessible for people, too, who are more of a fan 
of shonen than they are necessarily sports. I feel like, yeah. well, like, because I also recommend Haikyuu as like a, a sports anime introduction, but Haikyuu I feel like it's a little bit heavier on the sports side of it. Mm-hmm. It's less of a traditional, it's still very shonen-y, but it's not like, I feel like Ace of the Diamond is like a more, like if you're if you're into shonen and that's the only thing you watch, you're yeah. going to recognize way more things. Yeah, it 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 feels like, you know, uh, Dragon Ball Z just in structure that like sort yeah. of thing so yeah, yeah and, and it's you know especially if you want like a good commitment this would be a good like you know thing to watch alongside of baseball like if you're into that so worth checking out yeah totally um, join join Best Boy Mike on a, on a very long but fulfilling journey yes um, um, Nagatoro yeah we gotta talk about Nagatoro <laughs> Nagatoro's it, it's are you one caught of... up yeah, it's one of the few shows I've been keeping up with because it's so easy to keep up with. Because like, it's such an easy watch. Yeah, like I haven't had a lot of time to keep up with stuff, but like Nagatoro is easy for me to just like come home and like like open a beer and just sit on the couch and like, <laughs> all right, what can I watch that doesn't require too much emotional investment? Let's oh think, yeah, no, this. I I completely agree with it, and especially the last episode. Yeah. Was... Oh my god, <laughs> that painting of the president. Oh, well, oh my god. God. We're talking it, about a U.S. president, by the way, for those of you who are yes, no, uh, something much more powerful than a U.S. president, yeah. uh, a club president, <laughs> yes. a J- Japanese high school club president. Um, no, if it was the student council president, that would be, yeah, yeah. you know, right up there with God in yeah. terms of power. I mean, you know, in, in some cases, <laughs> above God. And that is true. Um, but no, the, the um, painting club president had a painting of herself in the buff um, mm-hmm. that that she presented the previous year, and it has inspired quite a bit of memes. It it very much... I haven't seen any of the memes. You haven't? Oh no, my God, I haven't. They're I haven't been on Reddit either. It it very much reminds me of kind of like... Uh, you remember that like Kim Kardashian like photo shoot? Yes, that the one that broke the internet. The internet. Yeah, 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 with the like champagne glass. Yeah, it's it's very kind of in that spirit. The um, way they present this too is hilarious because they're like they're talking about the fact that they like they place like what was it like third sixth. place or sixth place <laughs> out of like sixty clubs in the last year's like cultural festival, and they're like, what kind of painting could be so good that it would like beat out 54 other clubs and then he pulls the painting out and like all of their jaws drop it's hilarious well and so what's what so that in and of itself seems very like anime very like lewd um you know the things that people kind of get skeeved out about anime by but the context of it is actually really beautiful because the so the class president is um, well endowed is uh, a easy way of saying it, um, but ostensibly, like the whole conversation becomes about if Nagatoro um, is going to be able to compete with the president if she uh, is the is, is like figure for his painting, uh, and ultimately it becomes about him telling her that he finds her body beautiful just the way it is. Yeah. I, I also think it, it, it has a lot to do, it, it tells kind of a story about, like, what motivates you. And I think that's kind of the funnier story to me, because she at one point she talks about, like, you have to paint what you love. And I was like, oh, that's really beautiful. And then I remember that what she paints is, like, self-portraits. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, okay, that's pretty, you know, that's pretty wholesome in, in a way, you know? Yeah. 
Well, it also goes to, like, her, like, own egotism. Yeah, well, listen, you know what? Love yourself. <laughs> but no, I, I like this show. The show is good. I still, you know, I still don't feel super great about the first episode of it. Like, and, like, the more I watch of it, the less, the more out of place the first episode feels. Yeah, very much like, so. It, it goes from, like, what is literally, like, heavy bullying, like, to mm. the, like, driving someone to tears to, like, very lighthearted, silly... Um, just well, like it, like ribbing kind of. It feels akin to the stories like Haremia uh, and um, what was before Haremia? Tonikawa. Uh, Tonikawa. I right? would say more like Haremia than Tonikawa. But yeah. Sure, but like uh, I under I remember earlier on in the podcast we were like we do not understand that comparison, but now through you know the season it makes a lot more sense yeah, but definitely just, the beginning did i would not compare it to those at all yeah the thing that throws me off about it though is that it, it wasn't like a gradual like she's really mean and then she's a little mean and then like it's all, it was like she was really really mean in the first episode and then a- after that it's just like lighthearted and fun and i'm like mm. yeah i mean there but, are times where it's but but nothing compared to the first one yeah but i, I do like the show um it's good it's worth watch just be aware that of that if you decide to pick it up. You'll you'll be a little confused. Yeah. Um, I guess I wanted to leave off our little, you know, our little chat um, with uh, just a little talk about cosplay and uh, and cons. Because uh, I was thinking about cosplay because I was watching Nagatoro. There's a part where they all cosplay and it's kind of cool. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, and I was just thinking, like, you know, cons are starting to come back. Yeah. Um, you know, we're talking about maybe going to Anime NYC this year, um, which should be a lot of fun. Um and, you know, just the, uh, I just, you know, I really would like to see, you know, some cosplay, some people who put together some really cool costumes. You yeah, know? I, you know, I miss um, some of the, my favorite YouTubers that I would follow were people who would, like, go around and, and interview um, different cosplayers at cons. So I, I'm excited to get, like, that content back to, I mean, go to cons again. You yeah. know, I'm still a little nervous being around people, but, um, but you know, getting to geek out and, you know, share that with other people and see all the cool things that people make and sell and all that stuff, I think would be great. I need, I always need more nerdy art. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, and yeah, I just, I think cosplay is like an art form is also super cool. So I'm excited to have that be a thing again. Not that it hasn't been a thing, but just like no, to be but, a thing in the public sphere, you know? Yeah. And to be able to go and, and see it like yeah. uh, that, uh, it is an art form that like you can't i mean you can put pictures up online but it's not the same as getting to go to the con and getting to show it off so i'm very excited about it yeah i think it'll be good um and you know what else i'm pretty excited about there best boy dan what's that the uh sponsors of this uh this episode of the podcast hey best boy dan yeah i'm best boy justin what's more american than apple pie and the fourth of july combined Mm, police brutality well, yes, uh, but also using promo code BESTBOYS to get 15% off of Loot Crate. Yeah, that's way less depressing as Loot Crate is your premier stop for the best pop culture gear. So don't forget to click on the link in our show notes and use promo code BESTBOYS at checkout. And remember, happy looting! <laughs> All right, well, getting right into it... Uh... Who should we check in with, Best Boy Justin? I mean, I think it's time to check in with Studio WEEB for some anime news. According to a recent interview with the voice actress uh, Mariko Honda, Honda? 
I don't know, Honda. <laughs> I'm going to say Honda because I've watched a lot of Fruits Basket recently. Okay. Um, Spy X Family would be getting an anime adaptation in 2022. Um, from what I understand, it's already been like redacted since then, but it... If it is happening, um, it is something that people have been waiting for for a long time. Yeah, so. it's a very popular one. Yeah, so. I'm I'm excited to see it. Um, and uh, speaking of new updates, uh, also the Funimation iOS update uh, app finally got an update. That's what I'm trying to say. Um, I, I pulled the actual like update notes. Because I thought they were, A, funny, um, but B, I, I think actually do a pretty good job of explaining what is new with it. So I'm going to just read what the app update says. So it says, new iOS, who dis? Um, we took your feedback and built the anime app of your dreams. New look, better tools, more anime, easy to use. What we did, brand new uh, user interface, easier navigation, better searches and filters, watch history added, a new section, my anime, new custom video player, improved show details, account migration, including your downloads and queues, ability to save more than 20 queue items. Uh, so I've been using it for a little bit. It's loads better. It's not perfect, um, but it's way, way better. So honestly, I forgot they didn't have a watch history. Dude, a, a double tap to advance or go back ten seconds is a huge. Oh my god, that's huge! It. Like I remember when that first came out for YouTube, it was like I was like I never knew I needed this, but now I need it forever. Yeah, so they added that um, downloading up to twenty items at once is huge. I think before it was like thirteen, so um, that's really nice. Um, the downloads are way faster. It's overall, it's a lot better. I still have some weird kind of glitching issues where. Um, I, I won't be able to just click next once a video mm -hmm. ends um, and I'll have to like go back into the show and then just manually select the next video, which is like a, a bug, yeah. but like I'm not, that's like a thing they'll fix in like a minor update. Um, but overall, this is in exactly the right direction. The, the search is really nice. It has a dub and a sub uh, search, which is really cool. Nice. Um, but yeah. I actually, uh, so I don't, I don't have, I don't have an Android, uh, or an iOS an device. Uh, I'm Android gang gang. Um, but I do, um, I have been watching Funimation on the, uh, Apple TV, which I don't know whether the IO, this iOS update actually covers Apple TV, but I have noticed if it hasn't, we'll have to look into it. But if it hasn't, then I imagine it's coming soon. Right. What I what I have noticed is, do you remember the bug where for some shows, you rather than look, yeah, it would just do give you like the little red circle with yeah. the slash. I haven't gotten that recently. That's good. Um, so maybe, hopefully, that's something that is fixed and not just something that I just haven't noticed because I haven't been watching enough enough anime. <laughs> but um, yeah, never watch enough anime. Yeah. Uh, Best Boy Justin, you want to talk about how Funimation is coming to some new countries? Yeah, so Funimation has announced that it's going to be expanding its streaming services to Colombia, Chile, and Peru. Um, the service is already available now as we speak as a web-only preview, uh, which I believe means that it's just going to be in the web browser. There's no device support just yet, uh, but will expand on next month on various other platforms where Funimation is available. Uh, Funimation previously expanded to Mexico and Brazil with Spanish and Portuguese subtitles and dubs uh, in December, and it later made Spanish and Portuguese language options available in English-speaking territories as well. Uh, so, you know, this is great news for you best buds down there in Latin America. 
Um, more anime for more people. It's yeah. always, always good. And as I always say, more anime is always a good thing. Do you know what else is a good thing, Best Boy Dan? Uh, I'm guessing something related to Gundam. It sure is, because if you Best Buds out there thought that the uh, talking about Gundam ended with the Gundam episode, you're wrong. We can't escape This it. podcast exists for me to talk about Gundam, and you have to listen to me by law. Uh, so we've got some news. Mobile Suit Gundam Hathaway gets a uh, Netflix release. Um, but more importantly than that, it's out in theaters. Finally. It finally happened. It did it. It did it. It did it. Um, it it uh, released in Japanese theaters on June 11th, and at the time of this recording, the film has grossed over $9 million, um, making it the most successful Gundam film since the release of Char's Counterattack in 1988. That's huge. Yeah. That's, what, 33 years? Yeah, it's been it's been really, really huge. Um, and the, uh, the Gundam Global Portal shared a new trailer for the film, uh, which reveals that it's going to be coming to Netflix on July 1st. Um, so that is not a very long lag time. It is going to be out shortly after this episode drops. Um, so if you haven't caught up, if you haven't finished Char's Counterattack yet, go ahead and do it uh, because it's time. It's time for, for Hathaway's Flash, and I'm going to be watching it. Um, but if you thought that was all we had for you in Gundam news, well, you are so wrong. Um, can't escape it. You can't escape <laughs> it. Uh, Bandai Namco has teased a new life-size Gundam statue um, they announced this at their first Gundam conference, which how is this, how has there only been one Gundam conference? Like you would think they'd have had a bunch by now, but anyway, I'm just trying to imagine what a Gundam conference is. It's probably awesome. <laughs> um, they plan to erect a new life-size statue from the, uh, from the Gundam franchise. Uh, Koji Fujiwara, who is officially the third ever chief Gundam officer at Bandai Namco Entertainment. That's what I want to be when I, I grow just up. Gonna say. <laughs> he added that the, the project is already in motion. Um, and they will there will be more details at the second Gundam conference this fall. Uh, Bandai has already uh, already has three How lives. How do we get you into the Gundam conference? I mean, I think it it we probably have to do something illegal. But okay. we can do it. I know with a your guy help. in an alley. Yeah, you do know a man in an alley. Um, Bandai already has three life-size Gundam statues on display, uh, transforming RX-0 Unicorn in Tokyo, which replaced a largely static RX-78-2. Um, there is a walking and moving RX-78-2 in Yokohama, and a ZGMF-X-10A Freedom Gundam in Shanghai. Um, so this is great. More Gundam statues. Put them everywhere. Yeah. Um, I, I want a Gundam I want statue. one in Central Park. I, I still am really into that idea of the, like, Zaku door butler. That, yeah, that's really cool. I really like that idea. I want a Zaku statue. Where do we, where are we, when are we going to get a Zaku statue? And Probably never, to be honest with you, but yeah. um, you never, never know. know. They, never they never know. thought we'd have a moving Gundam statue in Yokohama, but they were wrong. <laughs> uh, and finally, continuing on, our last bit of Gundam news we have today. Uh, a new entry into the Cosmic Era timeline has been announced. Director Mutsu, uh, Mitsuo Fukuda... Uh, confirmed that the movie will be a direct sequel to Mobile Suit Gundam Seed Destiny. Uh, no further details have been provided at this time, but new movies, more Gundam, more anime, it's good. Yeah, we'll see if it can uh, do as well as Hathaway's Flash. I mean, it has a chance, but who knows? We'll see. Um, if you thought that we were not going to keep giving you updates on uh, cute boys playing water polo, you were wrong. Uh, Remain is actually coming to Funimation July 3rd, and we also learned that the studio behind it is going to be MAPPA, which yep. sounds pretty awesome. Um, also talking about some dates here, uh, Shaman King is finally, finally, 
finally going to be out of Netflix jail uh, here in the States. So we are going to be able to watch the first core uh, when it comes to America, August 9th. I'm actually pretty excited for this. This looks like an interesting show. Yeah, no, I'm 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 always down for another good shonen. Um, you know, we've been blessed with a lot lately, so uh, another one is just icing on the cake. Yeah, absolutely. Um, this next story I find just too funny. Um, so the Rent a Girlfriend manga is getting a crossover smartphone game with other shonen magazine heroines. A new website opened on Thursday to announce that. Reiji Miyajima's mm-hmm. uh, Rent-A-Girlfriend uh, manga is inspiring a smartphone game titled Konojo Okarisha uh, Oh, boy, Justin, help! <laughs> it's Konojo Okarishimasu Heroine All-Stars that will launch in September. The game will feature crossover characters from series that have appeared in Kodansha's weekly shonen magazine, such as Fairy Tale, The Seven Deadly Sins, and Fire Force. Hell yeah. The website teases the tagline, Hey, which girl would you rent? Um, oh, I'm a little afraid of what's going to happen with uh, Tamaki. Oh, Tamaki's <laughs> totally going to be in it. But Maki's going to be in it, too. She's going to be great. Oh, yeah. Have you, that... Did you finish the last season of Fire Force? Oh, yeah. Okay, okay. Oh, yeah, no. Fire Force, I'm, I'm down with yeah, it. For sure. Yeah, Fire Force is great. Bring me more Fire Force. Um, but, yeah, I, you know, uh, Rent-A-Girlfriend smartphone game. Uh, it, go get it. Have fun. Yeah. <laughs> that show was great. Um, and then the next date I would like to cover too is that Beastars is also coming out of Netflix jail. Uh, that we are going to be getting outside of Japan July 15th. Uh, Best Boy Justin, I believe you have a date you want to share with us. The official website for the television anime of the city of Tajimi's promotional manga, Let's Make a Mug 2, confirmed on Monday that the series will get a second season titled Let's Make a Mug 2 Second Kiln. Uh, and uh, that's going to be coming out in October. I- Okay, second kiln is hysterical, first Isn't off. Uh, second off, uh, I just want to point out that it's let's make a mug to T-O-O. Yes. So like as Let's well, also is, make a mug. Which is also just adorable. Yeah. Uh, the show is great. I haven't been able to catch up on it as much as I want to because of, you know, work and life and stuff. Um, but it's good. I'm glad there's going to be a second season. Yeah. Um, I am also excited about Wonder Egg Priorities' uh, special edition finale being one hour long. Yeah. Uh, the official website for Cloverworks' original television anime, Wonder Egg Priority, revealed on Friday that the anime special edition, the June 29th broadcast that will serve as the continuation of the anime's 12th and final episode, as well as the overall story's ending, will be one hour long. The special edition finale will premiere first uh, in Japan on the Hulu and D Anime Store streaming services at June 29th at 2400, or effectively uh, June 30th at midnight. It will subsequently air on TV afterwards. Funimation will also stream the finale, though it has not released any dates for this yet. I cannot wait. I'm definitely yeah. meeting the guy in the dark alley so we can get this early. Well, I think, yeah, I, I, I don't remember I'm, I'm, if I mentioned this. I think I talked about it the last time we talked about this uh, special edition finale coming out in the anime news. Um, and I kind of expected it to be long, like maybe even almost cinema, uh, cinematic length. But I feel like an, an hour, hour is going to be solid. Yeah, an hour is going to be good. Um, and I'm really excited for this. I want to see how this story ends. Uh, it's been really good. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, so next up in anime news, we have an announcement. VTuber agency Niji Sanji uh, has opened a new round of auditions. So the English-speaking branch of Niji Sanji, um, this is not Hollow Live. It's a different company. They are probably they're probably haven't heard of them before, and I hadn't heard of them before I uh, read this news story. Um, but they opened auditions for both female and male character VTubers on Thursday. Uh, applications for female characters must be completed by July 11th, uh, and male characters are due by August 1st. Uh, audition- oh, good. We have, we have more time. Yeah, we have more time. Well, I, what, that's what I think is really interesting about this, because the last, uh, the, every audition like round for Hololive has been strictly for female characters. Anybody can, uh, can audition, so you can audition to play a female character if you want, regardless mm-hmm. of how you identify with your gender. Uh, but there haven't been any male presenting characters so far. So I think this is really interesting. Um, At least through the kind of like uh, uh, Hollow Live. Yeah, that's cast. what I there mean. have been other. That's what I said. Yeah, so yeah. I said Hollow Live. Um, but the uh, the auditions are open for four female pre-released characters, tentatively referred to as Ghost of Darkness, Cat of Darkness, Bird <laughs> of Heaven, and Fox of Heaven. And while the characters are female, again, like I said, applicants could be of any gender. Um, they haven't pre-released any designs for male character VTubers, but. Uh, I took a brief look into, you know, some of the audition requirements and stuff like this. So basically what they're having you do is, like, if you want to audition, you can audition as a VTuber character of your own design or imagination. Ooh. Um, so, yeah, go ahead and get go ahead and get your auditions in there. You could be the next big VTuber. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to audition. I'm, I'm leaving this podcast to become a VTube sensation, Dan. Okay. I'll watch. All right. Cool. <laughs> well, we have one. I have one viewer already locked in, so I'm ahead of the game. Um... But yeah, so uh, I thought this was pretty interesting, and uh, I hope some of you out there apply. Yeah, I mean, I, honestly, I could. I think that would be a good life for me. Yeah. VTubing. Hell yeah. <laughs> They'd probably upgrade my computer, too. Ooh. They would have to, because my computer sucks. Um, Best Boy Justin, you, you're a little more familiar with this next show. Yes, I am. Saga, uh, The Saga of Tanya the Evil uh, TV anime has gotten a second season. So this was actually announced during a uh, live-streamed special, um, which is actually now streaming on Crunchyroll. Uh, it's a 17-minute long, uh, like kind of like short anime special called Saga of Tani the Evil Operation Desert Pasta, which I think is just the best. I, I, I've been watching some Hitalia recently, and all Italy says in that show is, like, pasta! Pasta! Um, so... It just makes me laugh. <laughs> yeah, but at the end of that special, they announced uh, there was an announcement that the Saga of Tiny the Evil Season 2 uh, had been greenlit. It will feature the returning cast and staff, um, so it's going to be super great, and it's a great excuse for you to finally watch it. Best I know. Down. I need to do it so I can watch uh, Isekai Quartet. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Isekai, Crunchyroll streams how not to summon a demon lord anime's less censored double summon version. Crunchyroll announced on Friday that it has begun streaming the double summon version of How Not to Summon a Demon Lord o- Omega. Yeah, is that the, the symbol? That's Yeah, that's how they yeah, refer yeah. to the second season. Uh, the second season of the anime uh, of Yukia Murasaki's How Not to Summon a Demon Lord light novel series. Oh, it makes sense. That makes so much sense that it came from a light novel. Yeah. Um, oh my God. The double summon version will feature less censorship than the TV broadcast and will exclusively stream to Crunchyroll Premium members. The first three episodes of double summon version premiered at the same time and one new episode will debut every week. My guess is that means nipples. 
Yeah, it probably means like uncensored, like partial frontal nudity. Like uh, maybe it's like not gonna blood. be. I don't know the show at all, so like I don't know. Uh, it's it's pretty etchy. Is it? Yeah. So I yeah, it's probably means nipples. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know. Sure. Yeah. Um, additionally, uh, I know this will make you pretty excited, Best Boy Justin. Um, one of your favorites is is getting a little update. So, Wodakoi, Love is Hard for Otaku manga ends with a new anime episode. The 59th chapter of Fujita's uh, Wodakoi, Love is Hard for Otaku manga. Manga. Mangu. <laughs> um, we're not talking about, um we're talking about manga uh revealed on friday that the manga is ending its next chapter uh on july 16th the manga revealed that the 11th and final compiled book volume will ship october 14th and the special edition bundle of the manga's third original anime disc uh the disc will have an episode based on the company outing story from the manga's sixth volume yeah so uh if you wanted some more wodakoi in anime form there you go and the yeah and the manga's ending, so might might be worth uh, catching up on. Yeah, no, and this actually hopefully signals good news for a possible next season of Wodakoi. Um, so that would be great. I would love to. I'm I'm concerned that that may be one of those ones that they just store one and done. No, I don't think so. I think they're going to continue doing this one. This one's pretty popular, and the, the anime was a huge hit. Yeah, they did um, make a live-action version of it, too. Yeah, but I also wanted to... I, I had to go back through my text real quick, because after we <laughs> talked about... Um, we talked about light novel titles just now, and uh-huh. <laughs> my cousin actually came. We were talking about something unrelated, and uh, she titled the the possible light novel of a situation in my life as "I just wanted green tea, and now I own a corner store. Help!" <laughs> so somebody out there, write, that is absolutely. It's probably already one. Yeah, if it's not, write that light novel for me uh, with me as the main character, please, and thank you. Um, as excited as I would be to read that, look at this pivot. Uh, I am more excited to find out that Chihayafuru manga has uh, has basically wrapped up and it is heading towards its final climax in the forty seventh volume, which is that a is lot. A, that's a chonky boy. Yeah. Um, Amazon is listing the upcoming forty seventh compiled book of Yuki. Suetsugu. Thank you, best boy Justin's Chihayafuru. Which I'm proud enough I can say that name by myself. I mean, you can't actually. But. <laughs> um, Chihaya. Yeah, you go. There we go. You oh always God. say Chia. <laughs> <laughs> uh, manga is heading towards the story's climax. Uh, the volume ships on August 12th. Um, please, oh my God, please give me more chi- Chihaya Furu. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Uh, speaking of things climaxing. Um, oh. Oh. <laughs> oh no, but uh, speaking of manga that are ending and have ended, uh, Haremia is actually going to be getting a special one-shot epilogue chapter in July. Um, Square Enix's monthly G-Fantasy magazine revealed last Friday that uh, Daisuke Hagiwara's Haremia will have a special one-shot chapter. Uh, it's going to be releasing on July 16th. Uh, the manga's 16th and final volume will also be shipping on that day. Uh, the new one-shot will have a story that takes place immediately after Hori and Miyamura graduate. Um, and honestly, I kind of expected this. Most of these manga do have do end up getting at least one or two little epilogue chapters uh, that ship along with the final volume release. Mm-hmm. So this is not unexpected, but it is definitely very pleasant. I'm super excited for it. I want to see a little bit more 
you know, like, um, closure, yeah. basically, uh, for this manga. Um, yeah. Yeah. And speaking I... of closure, that closes out anime news. We did it. We did it. Uh, but what do you guys think? Are you, what are you excited for? Are, are any of you going to be, uh, yeah, we announced a lot of like, uh, new dates for things. What, what, uh, coming up? Are you guys excited to watch? Yeah. What are you watching? What are you thinking? What are you reading? Uh, let us know. Shoot us an email at the best boys pod at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter and Instagram at best boys underscore pod. And that means it's time. Best boy, Dan. Oh yeah. 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 Time for the meat and potatoes. That's right. It is almost July 4th, the time in America where we blow stuff up and drink too much Budweiser. I mean, that that time is all year <laughs> I round. I mean, that is also all this year This part, round. this one is special. <laughs> we have also already had this uh, recording interrupted by fireworks many times. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's always the 4th of July uh, in Brooklyn. Oh, yeah. Um, but uh, to celebrate uh, America's independence... Um, from Britain, uh, for those of you who don't know. Um, oh, that's what this is about. Yeah, uh, we're gonna we're gonna talk about um, kind of uh, America's representation in anime because it'd be weird if we talked about something not anime related. See, I always just thought we shot fireworks in the sky because we were angry at God. Yeah, uh, and because we were afraid of the dark. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Well, that to that tell clears the dark that to up. Stay away. Cool. 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 Um. So America has had obviously a very huge influence in Japanese culture, especially with its kind of position uh, after World War Two and kind of uh, in the Restoration, and then becoming such a huge kind of trade partner. You yeah. have all of that kind of underlying. Uh, you know, connection between the two, but culturally, uh, America's had a huge influence on Japan as well. And in anime, uh, we definitely see all different kinds of representation of that. Yeah. There's actually a, there's a funny, like kind of like joke Reddit thread that I encourage you to look up. That is, uh, I think the title is like how Douglas MacArthur created anime as, as a genre. Um, it's it's silly. It's not like it's not super serious, but like it talks about like the through lines between like the whole uh, you know occupation of Japan and like how art evolved and like it is like sort of tongue tongue in cheek, but it's also just like kind of interesting and funny. Um, but that just made me think of that the way you phrased that. Yeah. So getting into America's uh, influence in Japanese culture. Um, there's all, all different sorts of examples of it uh, that you'll see throughout anime. So just right up front, like when you're listening to that like banging like OP and they drop, you know, um, that one like English line. Oh, what was the? There was a really good one in um, God of High School. There was like, oh, be my contradiction. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Where it's just like everything else in the song is Japanese, and then you have that like English word that drops into it, and that's because uh, kind of dropping English words casually in conversation um, can be seen as cool in Japan, like just kind of you know showing that you speak the language and, and integrating it into culture is you know just kind of a 
cool turn of phrase there. Yeah, and that's also because, you know, uh, Japanese as a language has a lot of loan words and calcs from the English language. That is also a direct result of, you know, the American occupation back during World War II. And that's kind of how, how, uh, how the, uh, the common language evolved. And rather than coming up with new words for things that, you know, were introduced to them, new concepts, they just used the words that already existed. And this isn't just, you know, this isn't just limited to the English language. There are um, examples of this from Portuguese and Dutch as well. Uh, but, you know, we're not talking about Portuguese Independence Day today. Yeah, That's no. another episode. <laughs> oh, yeah. I can't wait for that, yeah. that episode of The Best Boys. Um, Best but, Boy Justin, you want to talk about uh, the Yankee? Yeah. So one of, one of my favorite um, kind of examples of uh, America's influence on Japanese culture is uh, the Yankee. So uh, Yankee is a type of like punk adjacent uh, Japanese delinquent. They often dye their hair and they wear clothes inspired by like American punk and grunge movements. Um, they are not quite the kinds of um, delinquents you might picture with like the gigantic pompadours, but they are in a kind They're of similar vein. A mulberry is a tree. Kuwabara is a man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're not Kuwabara, but they are similar. Um, and they, what's in, what I find interesting about them is they have like kind of this uh, strict code, like the strict moral code when it comes to fighting. That kind of makes it dishonorable to start fights with people younger than you or people who are who aren't from like delinquent social cliques. So like, you know, a Yankee might like, like you know shout at you on the street or like might like you know talk shit about you but they wouldn't fight you they wouldn't start a fight with you unless you were like also another delinquent like they don't like they're kind of like they don't uh they have a street code yeah they have a street code um and i think that's really interesting i think uh, also while yankees may uh also be boso zoku which are members of small time japanese gangs uh, think like a level below a Yakuza type of organization. Uh, they're not always. Generally, Yankee refers to a particular delinquent lifestyle uh, and way of dressing and acting rather than like actual criminal behavior. So it's kind of almost like a, it's like a social group. Yeah. Um, and I find that's really interesting. And it's very heavily influenced by American music, American uh, style from a certain period. There's, I mean, again, not to break too far into it, like other cultural uh, representations but there's a huge um uh, mexican influence in uh, certain cliques within japanese culture yes. too and and kind of very specifically the um uh, mexican-american like uh southern california kind of like styling of like you know um it, the kind of like cadillacs like low rider yeah that low riders kind of, yeah absolutely um culture as well so it seems as though um, this is kind of a common practice in which certain cultures can kind of develop these kinds of groups of people who all gather around and like to partake in that particular kind of aesthetic. Yeah, absolutely. Baseball. Uh, baseball is something that people often think about as the American pastime, but if there is anyone who loves baseball more, it is Japan. They love baseball. We were talking yeah. about Ace of Diamond earlier. Um, that's one of many baseball anime that are out there yeah like if there were if there were to be another country in the world series which i guess there technically is canada but um if there were going to be another new country in the quote-unquote world series it would probably be either japan or cuba i think the two of them rival each other on who loves baseball more 
Yeah, it feels almost as though they love baseball more than Americans. I mean, baseball at this point. Yeah, in a lot of ways. kind of supplanted baseball at this point. And they only have iShield 21 for anime. Yeah. I mean, I I was lucky enough while I was in Japan to go to a baseball game. I went to go see a Hiroshima Carps game. Um, What a great team name. Isn't it? No, they're really good. And uh, wow, it was just amazing. Like the, the energy in the crowd rivals that of any Major League Baseball game I've ever been to in America. Um, you know, the, the fans are very excited. They're engaged. There are entire cheering sections. So like, you know, you get an entire section that's dedicated. Like they practice cheers and they have like drummers. It's so crazy. Oh, they have like in, yeah, like um, like in Haikyuu. Uh, yeah. Haikyuu. Oh, that's yeah, awesome. You got you got the people wearing like the traditional like I can't remember the the name of the jacket, but the jacket like the middle schooler jacket mm-hmm. in in Japanese like uh, anime and manga. I think it starts with a G, but you get like people wearing that and like you know headbands. It's so so crazy. Um, yeah, baseball in Japan is enormous and then you have like it's interesting with you have this kind of cultural exchange you end up with um japanese players who come to play baseball in america so you get people like shohei otani mm-hmm. who is who we it, talked about on this we, show we have talked about on the pod before he's arguably one of the best pitchers in um not uh, one of the best players like all around players in baseball at the moment like he's the best pitcher and the best batter on his team that's like bulk crazy. at the same time. At least he was the last time I checked. Um, so like you know, it, it's really it's really interesting to see the so-called American pastime um, translating so seamlessly into Japan. Yeah, I mean, you even see it in shows that are not about baseball, like uh, Jujutsu Kaisen. Is yeah. a great example. I still maintain that that was maybe my favorite episode, my second favorite episode of Jujutsu Kaisen. My favorite was the one where. They worked together to fight that um, that one demon, uh, the one who who like put a curse on you, and then like she like hammers a nail on herself. On you. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's oh, my, that was wild. Yeah. yeah, that's my favorite one. But my second favorite episode, baseball episode for sure. Yeah, baseball was great. Yeah. Uh, moving on, we're going to talk about uh, music. So uh, specifically, punk and hardcore is what I'm familiar with. I know there are a lot of other American influences on Japanese uh, pop cult pop music. That's stuff that I'm less familiar. I don't really listen to J-pop or anything like that. But uh, I have listened to a lot of, like, Japanese punk and hardcore music. And, um, wow, it's just so interesting. Like, you can obviously tell it's not uh, American punk music because it's in Japanese. But um, just, like, the things that they do with their music. Uh, One of my greatest regrets is never having gotten a chance to go to a, like, an underground hardcore show while I was in Japan. That would be a very interesting experience. Yeah, it's tough, though, because a lot of those things are, like, word of mouth. And if you don't speak the language, obviously, how do you get word of mouth? Yeah, and just be like, what's up with this guy, Jin? Yeah. Um, But, yeah, one of my favorite uh, Japanese uh, hardcore bands is named Envy. So if you're a hardcore fan... And you want to check out some Japanese hardcore, check out Envy. Yeah, and Baby Metal. And Baby Metal, yes. Check out Baby Metal. Give me chocolate. Um, the next kind of section that we want to get into is is the idea of uh, America as a force of stability. Um, a great example of this is kind of how they use uh, just the idea of America in Dr. Stone. Kind of the... Um, minor spoiler for dr stone if you're not uh caught up to season two um so spoiler warning right here woo, woo, woo. um that's our spoiler warnings apparently okay um 
maybe editor Best Boy Dan will grant me with uh, some beautiful spoiler music. Bet he won't. Uh, who knows? Maybe. Huh? If he's benevolent. Editor Best Boy Dan here. I mean, you already did the sound effect, but okay, one more time. This is your spoiler warning. Woo, woo, woo. Um, anyway, um, in season two, they kind of come up with this plan to portray this famous singer that was alive in, in their time. And they say that she is alive and well and that she's in America and they, you know, have come out of the, um, you know, stone ness yeah um and are back to normal and they have guns and things because it's america uh so it's it's kind of this force of stability that can uh defeat even sukasa yeah uh, i believe that's the villain's name in that right yeah it's either, <laughs> either that or from from that romance anime no 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 it's sukasa yeah yeah no i, I that that struck me immediately when they were like oh everything's fine in america america's coming to to fix the stone curse and, like, everyone immediately believed it. Like, they were like, oh, America? Yeah, totally. Um, so that that stuck out a lot in my mind. Um, but, uh, yeah, another thing that stuck out to me was, like, kind of a way to subvert this, uh, mm-hmm. this idea of America as a force of stability is in Other Side Picnic. Uh, I'm not going to go into too many spoilers, but there is a, you know, there is a, a kind of arc to this show... Where the, um, you know, our protagonist, the two girls, come into contact on the other side with uh, a squad of Marines. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Marines are, like, clearly out of their depth. They're all scared. They don't know what to do because they're in a world of demons yeah, and monsters. They don't, they don't have uh, magical eye powers and hand powers. Yeah, so, like, you have these two, like, high, the, these two college girls who are, like, totally in control of the situation, and then you have, like, this squad of Marines, like, on the verge of panicking. And it's kind of, it serves to, to highlight the, um, boodoo-doo windows noise. Um, <laughs> it serves to highlight the <laughs> It serves to highlight the way, like, uh, how panicked things have become. Like you have this, these, this force of stability just completely taken off the back heel. Um, so that was super interesting. I'm gonna leave this next one to you, best boy, because uh, this, this is, is right this, up your alley. I mean, this is maybe my favorite version of this, and it's All Might um, from My Hero Academia. Like All Might is styled after Superman, obviously. Um, he takes a lot of cues just from American comics in general. All of his moves are, you know, Detroit Smash, like all, famous American landmarks, uh, United States of Smash. Yeah. You <laughs> Double United States of Smash. Like, it, it, he is the American hero incarnate ideal um superhero yeah um and the whole thing about his character is that like he is invincible he's you know does everything with a smile you know um it's you know an unstoppable force to to kind of unite around and bring peace to the world that's the kind of american i version uh 
for this. Yeah, and you know that's one version of America in anime, but another version of American anime and. Maybe the more realistic one, if we're being super honest, is America as an antagonist. And I could never figure out how Japan would ever see us as an antagonist. I know. all Everything we've ever done in, in the whole world has been perfect. <laughs> yeah, especially we've never done anything mean to Japan ever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, America as an antagonist often comes up in anime and manga. Um, I would say maybe even more often than America as a force of stability. Um, America in Japanese media and culture is just too easy to use as an antagonist to not have it come up as often as it does. Um, one of my... I feel like anywhere other than America, yeah. it's pretty easy to make America the bad guy. Yeah. And I'm not saying they're wrong. Yeah. Um, but one of my favorite examples of this is actually Gate. Um, so in Gate, they are, the, the Americans are shown as kind of... And this is the weird part. Uh, they're shown as working alongside China... Uh, to manipulate... Have, have we talked about what Gate is about? I don't know. Well, whatever. We'll talk about it briefly. Uh, Gate is kind of... Um, it's an anime that's about where a world where a a gate, obviously, <laughs> um, to like an, an isekai world is opened in the middle of Tokyo. Um, and like this guy, he's like a reserve officer in the Japanese self-defense force. Um, like helps people evacuate and then fight off the initial invasion of these like kind of monsters and like um, these bad guys from this other dimension. And then like you know they proceed to kind of basically like, like from like an isekai world, like you know medieval like fantasy world. Yeah. Attacks. So think like your your big like ogres and orcs with axes and like you know yeah. people riding like dragons and stuff. And then, you know, they manage to fight off this initial invasion, and then they kind of, in turn, invade this isekai world, but with, like... Yeah, the gate stays open, and so it's it's basically, like, kind of a realistic portrayal of, like, what would Japan do if a portal to another world opened up in, you know, the middle of their country? Yeah, so it's kind of like an isekai, but where, like, the people who go to the isekai world have modern day weaponry yeah like they bring a tank to you know fight a dragon yeah at like one point in the show so in one way it's one of the most realistic isekais out there yeah um and in the way that it has uh america as the antagonist is also pretty realistic because it, yeah uh, essentially the gate opens up to this new world and then of course what does america do go oh hey look a whole new world of resources. Let's yeah. go pillage. Yeah. America and China. They, they're working together yeah. because the one thing America and China can agree on is pillaging Japan. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, God. No, but, uh, it, and, like, they kind of, they're manipulating things behind the scenes. And, like, they send, like, a black ops team to, like, kidnap the, like, gang of main protagonists to yeah. try to get, like, some leverage over the people on the other side of the gate. Um, which is a, a pretty realistic view of the way America foreign policy works yeah in a lot of cases um you also have sao alicization on here yeah I do. um which i haven't personally watched but i know a little bit about and from what i understand it's basically gamers rise up okay so there are <laughs> am i correct yes you, you are it, it's again we have uh, the American government specifically, like, I think it's, like, a, an arm of the CIA or whatever. They are trying to take control of this, like, AI world because they want to build an AI to 
send missiles somewhere. Um, <laughs> and one of the ways in which they do this is to like open up the the um, the AI world to gamers to like have them sure. like <laughs> to have them like kind of stop the main characters from removing the AI from the AI world to keep it from America. Um, and basically like the American gamers are like, Oh, total like a world where we can kill everything. Hell yeah. And they're like, t- they're like on board with it. Like they're about it, about it. And then like <laughs> the American gamers aren't enough. So they try, they open it up to like Korean and Japanese gamers and they're like more hesitant about it. And, like, they're the ones who are eventually, like, convinced, like, hey, like, they're, this is bad. Like, these are actually the bad guys. And, like, but it's, I just thought it was kind of funny how they were, like, they were, like, what what force is more unstoppable than any other force in the world? And they're, like, American gamer nerds. <laughs> I mean, they're not wrong. Yeah. If you, if you, you give them an inch. I yep. dare you. No, don't. Um, but <laughs> no, give wait, me don't. an inch and I'm going to talk about Hajime no Ippo. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some pretty great, uh, well, there's some pretty great and some slightly problematic portrayals, Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh, and maybe more than slightly problematic portrayals of, uh, Americans here. Um, we have, uh, basically, as far as I can recall, three main American portrayals in, in Ipa, which is a boxing anime. There is actually a fourth that I just remembered that I forgot to. Um, the, the... Trainers fight against the American guy yes, yeah, at the is. end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That uh, that's actually a very another interesting one because that. Uh, so essentially, what we're talking about is the trainer, um, which you know what I still haven't actually finished that. Oh, I have you, like two geez. more episodes left, which is ridiculous because Epo's like a hundred and some odd episodes, and I stopped doing. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so uh, basically, it's the this kind of flashback to right after World War Two. Yeah, just after the end of World War Two, during the American occupation. Yeah, and it's about his Epo's trainer's um, experience boxing uh, against an American soldier. Yeah, um, but there's also uh, Jason Ozuna, um, which is actually a portrayal of a uh, African American. Um, in Japan, who was raised in Japan? Am I correct? No, he was a he was a soldier. He was stationed in Japan. He was a soldier. Yeah, but he stayed there. Yeah, he had been living there for a long time. I guess at that point, right? Um, and this is slightly problem. It's problematic because uh, they kind of describe his character as being like kind of physically different from yeah. Japanese boxers. That the muscles were constructed in a different manner. Yeah, and they they speak of it of him in particular and they don't kind of talk about it with any of the other american boxers so it's very clear that they're kind of referencing the color of his skin versus his american heritage yeah this 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 kind of that you know we could get into a whole thing about this but this really kind of falls into this whole idea of like oh black you know black people's bodies are just built differently which is more powerful but yeah yeah and and that's not that's not even a new thing in sports You, you still have you know commentators who talk about that to this day um but yeah that's a thing in sports and it's you know also a thing in japanese media the portrayal of black people is not always the best um but yeah, moving on. Yeah, uh, the next two um, are Brian Hawk and David Eagle, which um, are both people uh, who fight. Um, uh, why is his name eluding uh, me? Um, 
Takamura. Yep, Takamura. There it, it is. <laughs> um, and, and these are also very unique portray uh, portrayals of America between the two of them. You have kind of uh, Brian Hawk as the kind of boisterous, wild, like shit talking, like horrible American. The 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 like bad American that travels around that like gives all the other Americans a bad name like mm-hmm. sort of thing uh, and then you have David Eagle which is kind of the more like tight uh, he was in the military I believe right? yeah he was he supposed was... to be like an army veteran or something yeah like very he prim looked like and proper Bile from, from <laughs> yeah exactly like you know high and tight like blonde hair like sort of cut so you have those kind of two disparate like versions of like the kind of like American like boxer and like kind of fighter sort of thing um and then in terms of like other antagonists uh we get to wrap it up with probably my favorite um american antagonist and that's bandit motherfucking keith from (laughs) Yu-Gi-Oh. um but pretty much like any character from that from uh duelist island is is spectacular like weevil the bug guy and all that um you know, a little bit of uh, Murica in there, but, you know, you can't leave Bandit Keith out. I mean, that American flag bandana. <laughs> you know? I mean, that's a look. It, that, it's, I feel, it's a you choice. Know I feel like that's a really good cosplay for, like, um, like Southern, like... You should do it for any <laughs> NYC. Yeah. That'd be great. Except like, like a $49 make people cosplay. like uncomfortable on the streets of yeah. New York like that. They'll be like, oh God, where's I mean, this guy come on. from? I saw weirder things on the R train this afternoon. I mean, so. that's true. Um, but so. uh, speaking of weird things I saw on the R train. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you saw America's military presence in Japan and Okinawa specifically on the R train? It was a weird train ride, okay? I mean, that sounds like a Wednesday. Yeah, but uh, no, we're talking about the American military presence in Japan, uh, and I am specifically going to be talking about Okinawa for this section for reasons that will become apparent. Um, And this is a topic that's mainly notable for how rarely it's brought up in anime, and that's kind of why I wanted to talk about it, because it's kind of like a a disparate view um, between what happens in anime and what we see in real life. So generally when you get... uh, Generally, when you get episodes set in Okinawa, it's uh, for some sort of school trip or a company trip or something along those lines. When the characters want to go to the beach or when they want to get somewhere off of like mainland Japan, but they don't want to leave Japan, they go to Okinawa. Um, and it's generally portrayed as like a paradise with you never ever see like a soldier in sight. Um, and while the tropical paradise aspect of this portrayal is correct... Uh, the truth you the truth is you can't throw a stone in Okinawa without hitting three people who work for the U.S. government. Um, Okinawa is in- don't don't throw stones at people though. Don't throw stones at people in Okinawa <laughs> or otherwise. But if you were to do that, um, but no, like there is an incredibly large population of uh, U.S. government workers and uh, you know military personnel in Okinawa. There are 32 U.S. military installations on Okinawa, an island of only 463 square miles. Uh, that's roughly 14.6% of the Okinawan landmass. And to kind of put this in perspective, the city of New York is only slightly larger, uh, around 468 square miles. Imagine stuffing 32 million uh, military bases inside of New York City. Hmm. It's a lot. 
uh, I, I believe I, I can't quote this with any you know with any accuracy well, to but I'm pretty sure it is one of the largest if not the largest concentration of US military installations on the planet outside of uh, America interesting uh, question how large is like a military base military bases range in um, in size so you have military bases like in the United States that are several zip codes large oh like you've got like your like what like Fort Benning is huge question like New York City zip codes or like rest of America zip codes like somewhere in between okay yeah so you get extremely large military bases but then you also have very small military bases so like um I think one of the smallest military bases in uh Okinawa is called like Tory Station and it's a very small army installation but then you have uh you know places like Kadena which is a fairly large air force base um and you get places like Camp Hansen, which is a Midland-sized Marine Corps installation. So, like, there are, um, there are uh, you know, it, it ranges. So some of the places on Okinawa are very small, uh, but some of them are fairly large. But, I mean, you know, a double-digit, you know, sized percentage of the landmass is yeah, huge. Yeah, that's, that's a fair point. Um, you know, even if it is spread out across I a mean, bunch of 14, smaller bases. 14% of the size of New York is probably, like, Manhattan. Yeah. Well, <laughs> New York City. But yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's a lot. I assume New York City means, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Brooklyn, Queens. The five boroughs. Yeah, yeah. We can get rid of Staten Island. If the, if the DOD wants to have Staten Island, you can yeah, keep yeah. it. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, you know, it's a very large portion of Okinawa... Uh, and with that comes, you know, kind of the inconveniences of living near military installations. There are places you can't go. Um, you know, you have to, you can't, as a regular, you know, civilian, like, if where you want to go is on the other side of a military base, you can't just drive through it. You have to go around, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, the, one, of the, one of the few anime that does actually kind of talk about this, and again, they don't talk about it in the, the kind of realistic light that we are right now, uh, but it is Other Side Picnic. Um, so like we mentioned a little bit earlier, Other Side Picnic, the uh, squad of Marines that the girls meet up with on the other side is actually from, uh, they're like a special forces squadron based out of, you know, Okinawa somewhere, whatever fictional thing that they are. Um, but they are like a kind of a portrayal of, um, you know, these Okinawan military folk, um, they are portrayed as kind of a little, uh, I don't know, a little unrealistically. They're all like very, like, uh, very polite and prim and proper and don't reflect <laughs> the personalities of any of the Marines I've ever known. Um, you know, it, it but it is it is unique in that they do actually kind of sort of talk about it a little bit. Um, but, uh, you know, there is actually a huge movement going on right now and has been going on for a while uh, by Okinawans to close the U.S. military bases. Um, and that's because, you know, to be to be entirely honest, like military, the U.S. military hasn't always been <laughs> very good guests uh, here uh, in Okinawa. And, you know, there's a lot to be said for the fact that, you know, militaries anywhere are not great. Um, but, uh, between 1972 and 2009, uh, U S service members commit, uh, committed 5,634 criminal offenses 
including 25 murders, 385 burglaries, 25 arsons, 127 rapes, 306 assaults, and 2,827 thefts. So, like, I can totally understand why people in Okinawa are, like, close the bases. Like, um, there is, uh, there's a lot negative going on there. Um, and that's just something I wanted to talk about. Yeah. That's, you know, it's, it is important to talk about these things. Um, it especially doesn't, you know, I don't think a lot of people know about that going on. Yeah. Uh, because I mean, as long as we're talking about, you know, American influences on Japanese culture, we need to talk about the negative about it too, which is the fact that, you know, we haven't always been super great to Japan historically. Yep. The times we have been great to them. Oh God, this is a this is a rough transition. Is uh, when America was used as a desti- as an exotic destination. <laughs> yeah, so um, America as an exotic destination happens fairly often in in uh, anime and manga. Um, a lot of times, this happens with your kind of transfer students. Um, and you'll also get this with like European portrayals in anime, of course, too. Like you'll get transfer students from France or Germany or wherever. Um, but this usually manifests in the characters who are raised in America and they don't respect personal boundaries and they like go in for hugs and stuff. Cause like, you know, we hug in America. That's a thing that happens, but you don't mm. generally hug people in Japan. It's not a thing that they do. Like you don't like hug your acquaintances or even like yours, just like friends. Um, very often, uh, if it, if they're Euro- European, it'll be like the cheek kissing thing, and that'll usually be like the transfer student from France kisses the guy on the cheek, and the girl who likes him is like, "Oh my god!" or you know, stuff like that. Um, and you get like uh, some examples of this character. You get like Chitoge from Nisekoi. Um, you get Alex from Domestic Girlfriend, who's pretty much his whole job was just to be American. Um, you get Olivia from Asobi Asobase. Who is not actually a transfer student, but is mistaken as, like, an American. Yeah, that's also where that version of the uh, uh, Star Spangled Banner that you heard earlier came from. <laughs> um, but yeah, so you get these these kind of these characters who have... A whole different set of social mores and they have their own views on personal space and their own experiences who come and kind of upend um the normal like the uh the protagonists in anime they kind of upend their ideas and notions about what is normal and stuff like that our, our top 10 list will get into a lot of the kind of elements you'll see in in these sorts of characters yeah so like the yeah the portrayals of americans in uh in anime are interesting especially when we talk about this kind of um america as an exotic destination but this also gives us a really great excuse to talk about all might again Yeah, uh, I mean, it, I don't know how you want to talk about All Might in this section. <laughs> well, because this is kind of America. This is where he had his his like hero's journey. Oh yeah, that's you know. Fair. So he he went to oh, America. Yeah. He did to... the whole like um, I see what you're saying with this. Totally, like he did the whole like cruising in the car like down the like yeah. Pacific Coast Highway kind of thing with David. Oh yeah, I think it was David. Uh, Whoever it his had to have been was, David. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so, like, you know, he has his, like, hero's journey here, and this is, like, where he kind of hones his skills, and he hones yeah. his persona, and, like, this is where he brings he becomes this... 
All Might. Yeah, this yeah. is where he gets his character of All Might. This is where this is where he gets the outlook that he brings back to, um, you know, to his work as a hero in Japan. One of so his like, most iconic like outfit designs is there. You get his his attacks that are named after states <laughs> and cities. You get like Detroit Smash. You, you know. It's uh, it, it's you know, it's interesting, and that one of the one of the ways in which this particular phenomenon manifests itself. Um, yeah, I also really love uh, how Baby Steps used uh, America as kind of an exotic location, as well as kind of like going back uh, to that kind of like specifically Florida, which is uh, yeah, whatever. But uh, um, but like that view of like America's like um kind of like a domineering force like in tennis they're kind of you know the the pinnacle so going to train in America is like you know uh dancers going to do ballet in Russia kind of thing yeah and you kind of also get this I'm just thinking of it now in uh, Ace of the Diamond where like Chris's dad one of the things about him yeah. is that he played baseball in America or even if we're talking about Ace of the Diamond, when the uh, when the team comes, it's like yeah, they have know. the American like uh, high school team comes and plays with them. Yeah, yeah, which is kind of like a reverse of that. Yeah, um, so like you know you get you get this kind of like uh, this defamiliarization where you take whatever concept the anime has going on and you run it through the lens of America. So you end up with characters maybe misunderstanding each other, maybe learning new things about each other. Um, but, uh, you know, one other, maybe a little bit more negative uh, kind of development with this is the concept of the hafu. So, yeah, uh, the hafu is, is a term that refers to people who are half Japanese. And it's a loan word from the English word half, obviously. Um, it replaced the term konketsuji, which translates to mixed blood child. Um uh that doesn't sound like a good term. It's not. Hafu is generally consider uh, is generally not considered a slur unlike koken uh, konkensuji which is definitely has negative connotations. It's definitely like an insult. Um and you know the reason why this is, uh, this is interesting or important is that um hafu are often fetishized by Japanese people in some cases even discriminated against. Um but like you kind of uh, you have this variation in the experience of hafu. And while people who are mixed with, like, white ethnic backgrounds tend to be regarded with curiosity, um, sometimes a fetishistic in uh, interest, they're seen kind of the way we talked about these transfer students earlier, you know, as being interesting and exotic, and they, they have different, um, you know, they have different boundaries and social mores. Um, people with African backgrounds can actually find it difficult to find employment or even rent an apartment. Uh, due to the color of their skin and are often bullied as children, despite in many cases having lived in Japan for their entire lives, being native speakers of the language. Um, There's definitely kind of an, an aesthetic aspect to it. So when you have people like... Um, so my ex's sister, when she was in Japan, she was a redhead. And mm -hmm. like people would just like come up and like take pictures and that sort of thing. So there are like certain elements to the kind of... American ideal that Japanese culture has, which is predominantly like kind of lighter white skinned. Yeah. And, and so those sorts of things are, um, are highlighted and, and accepted by the Japanese culture where the kind of other, you know, mixes are, are shunned. Yeah. And especially, you know, when you have a country like Japan where, which is probably one, one of the most, you know, heterogeneous, um, 
countries in the world where there is very little um there's very little foreign mixing in japan mm-hmm. um you know that makes things like this stand out even more um and in many cases in anime and otherwise uh the non-japanese half of a person you know a person's uh ethnic background is generally uh american and that's usually a result of the u.s troop presence in japan um, now it's not usually explained like that in anime, although it is in the case of Other Side Picnic, mm. sort of. I think her dad is actually Canadian, not American. Um, but he's like a Canadian yeah, soldier. Just America's but, hat, really. Yeah, I mean, whatever. They'll be American <laughs> in a couple years or whatever. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, I, 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 that's the, you know, I can't think of a better way to, uh, to end this segment about America than by talking about their imminent annexation of Canada. Sure. Yeah. Uh, that's, <laughs> annexation sounds very American. Yeah. Um, and if we're going to get into some things that are really American, let's talk about our top 10 American stereotypes. I can't understand a single word you're saying. Would you please just stop eating? My vocabulary can be intimidating. I'll stop eating this absurd pile of hamburgers so you can focus better. Beep, beep, beep. Yay. Uh, blonde. Number yeah. one. Oh yeah. Everyone blonde. in America is blonde. I'm <laughs> um, blonde. You're blonde. We're all blonde. Yeah. Um, for the record, neither of the best boys are blonde. I could be blonde tomorrow. Don't tempt me. I. It is the my father's side of the family is very blonde. Really. There is another world where I am very blonde and blue hair or blue eyes, blonde hair. I mean, there's another world where I have blue hair too. <laughs> uh, yeah. Let's do let's do protagonist hair. <laughs> yeah. Um, the next uh, American stereotype is loud who would ever think that we're loud we're not loud we're just loudly spoken never mind yeah no yeah it's true i'm yeah. very loud americans <laughs> are loud we are we're especially when you're talking about a country where it's rude to even talk on the train like the differences between That's trains wild. in japan and trains in america <laughs> are insane so like you can understand why people in japan think we're loud absolutely and it's it's not inaccurate yeah. um What's funny is reading through these, I'm just struck by how many of these are spot on for, like, uh, the portrayal of America uh, in Hitalia, Um, which, if you haven't seen Hitalia, I've only started watching it because they're, like, five-minute episodes, but it's basically, it's Hitalia Access Powers, and it seems to be, like, the story of the uh, all the countries involved in like world war one and world war two um but in like cute anime form and chibi form and like they use like the the chibi form to explain like the past so they explain like italy and like uh the roman empire Mm -hmm. like with chibi versions it's really cute um but also hysterical um and they make fun of italy a lot but the american is all of these things yeah (laughs) Uh, and loud and blonde are, are two of those. Um, we talked a little bit about this before, but also the height of excellence. So, like, Baby Steps is a good example of, like, you know, uh, so is Hajime no Ippo of, like, two sports animes where, like, the pinnacle of sports is kind of represented by America. Yeah. Um, yeah, and you'll see this a lot in, uh, a, like you mentioned, sports anime specifically. Um but just other anime in general, like you'll always you, you find a character who goes to America to train, so you have like All Might. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you have other characters who kind of like uh, American characters are kind of portrayed as like this, like um, 
this huge challenge for the main characters to overcome yeah. in this way as well. Um, we have the next one being <laughs> no concept of personal spatial boundaries. Absolutely. Um, um, especially, like, for the, like, foreign exchange students. Like, yeah, that, that trope <laughs> relies on this stereotype. Um, just, like, basically, like, people hugging each other um, for no reason in a country where we're talking, like, you know, in a, in a form of art where holding hands is considered almost yeah. to be lewd. It, you'll see this with, like, Spanish characters, too, and, and like, those sort of kind of stereotypical, like, more touchy-feely um, cultures, but, yeah. but definitely in American portrayals as well. Um, additionally, eating far too much food, which, uh, it, what, it, it's obvious, yeah. It's true. <laughs> That's it's my favorite America. thing to do, is to eat far too much food. <laughs> um... This is something like pretty common in anime in general with like shonen protagonists, but definitely any American character can put away several hamburgers. Yeah. Um, though, quick side tangent for America's Hat Canada. Um, I love that in uh, Escape the Infinity, uh, there's one character that just gets really excited when he gets to eat poutine because he's Canadian. I love poutine. Poutine's, poutine's great. great. Uh, I had I had uh, duck fat poutine in. Uh, prospect park like four years ago back when you could still go to prospect park that sounds delicious yeah um we should invade canada for their poutine yeah anyway um <laughs> we also have the stupid or dumb american or or maybe even the like unobservant or kind of callous um american because it's not always that they're necessarily dumb it could also just be that they're just like off in their own little american world you know? as americans <laughs> are are want to be um, which definitely happens. So I, the funny thing about all of these American stereotypes is we are all blonde, loud, and eat too much food. Yeah. Um, it's funny cause it's true. <laughs> uh, there's also this kind of like idea of announcing your Americanness. There's never really any subtlety to any American characters. Like yeah. you're like, Oh, that's the American. Yep. Like, you know, I, I always felt that kind of, like, anime was kind of drawn homogenous and kind of this kind of, like, honestly kind of white stylized look. Yeah. Um, but, like, you know, you it would be difficult to maybe tell a, a German character from a Japanese character in an anime other than maybe, like, blonde or, like, a French character, right? But, like, when you see an American character drawn, it's like, you know they're yeah, American. Like, like, oh, that motherfucker over there is American. <laughs> it's American through and through. No, it's funny that you mentioned that, too, because the, the, the anime that I was talking about earlier, Schwartz's Markin, um, all of the characters who are supposed to be, like, East German and, like, you know... They all just are drawn like regular anime characters. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, it, it doesn't make any sense. But then like you also have the American characters who are in that show who also just look like Japanese characters. Yeah. So it's like, all of the characters look the same. Yeah. Yeah. But you know when they're American. Yeah. Well, because the American characters have the ones that turn into fighter jets and um, they shoot lots of missiles. That's mm -hmm. how you know the American robots are oh, different. That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. Um, but the next one up we have... Uh, Erotically sexy and exotically sexy. Oh, erotic. <laughs> same thing. Um, uh, I think a really good example of this one is probably uh, Niku from um, from Food Wars. Uh, Meat Meat. Yep, yep. Yeah, because she's like half American too, and she just wears like a camouflage bikini everywhere. And if there's anything more American than that, I <laughs> challenge you to send it to me. Well, I mean, 
it, I'm wearing a camouflage bikini right now. It's it's also a very kind of specific type of sexy. It's that that kind of like unbuttoned shirt, like you know, the kind of antithesis to like the kind of uptight like Japanese culture. You right. know, the like oh, let my abs hang out in the wind because I don't care. I can unbutton my shirt and, you know, be cool about it, yeah, <laughs> like, sort totally. of thing. Um, you also have just Americans being tall. Um, yeah, I mean, we're all six foot tall. Yeah, we're like, all blonde, loud, eat too much food, uh, <laughs> erotically sexy, and tall. Yeah, that's what, I'm putting that on my Tinder profile tonight. Though, in fairness, the best boys are. Yeah, no, that, that describes 100% of the... We're, we're both fairly tall men. Yeah. Um, but yeah, in, in, in anime and manga, Japanese or the American characters are always just tower. Like, they're towers of people. They're ginormous. Um, and we're not in real life. I think the average height of uh, an American is only like... It's like... Two male or is like 5'8", five, 5'9". Five, yeah, it's only like two or three inches taller than the average Japanese person. Yeah. Um, but uh, kind of wrapping up our our top ten list of American stereotypes in Japanese media uh, is that we have no fucking manners. Again, this not... part. Listen <laughs> again. <laughs> when you're coming from a, when you're coming from a culture where it is considered rude to speak on the train. Yeah. Yeah, where we have no manners. Yeah, I, we I don't think and there's we curse and there is anything that would ever make anyone think that we would come close to Japan's level of manners. Yeah, you know, like uh, it, it's it. That's one of those stereotypes that fucking scans. And and you know, you'll see it. The uh, kind of like American characters always just like saying the wrong thing and being like, "What? Yeah, what? I'm American, <laughs> yeah, American, being American." Um. <laughs> So uh, I guess this is uh, this is where we wrap up the show. So you know, let us know how you guys are going to be celebrating the Fourth of July. If yeah. you are going to be, what are your thoughts uh, are on you, America's uh, portrayal in anime? Any uh, Americans in anime? If you should, if you're gonna binge stuff, binge um, Other Side Picnic. It was good. We talked about it a lot. I'm excited. We got to talk yeah, about it. Uh, also, Hitalia is pretty good. Hitalia, uh, okay. It you know has. A lot of stereotypes. A lot. Yeah, but let us know when you're what you're into. Send us an email at thebestboyspod at gmail.com. Hit us up on Twitter and Instagram at bestboys underscore pod. And uh, Best Boy Dan, how are you going to take us out this week? Mm, probably in the most American way possible. You mean like, uh, you know, massive cholesterol problems and putting all the plastic in the ocean and... You know, overthrowing democratically elected governments, or like, are we gonna like get into wars for oil, or you know, what are we gonna engage in neo-colonialism? Uh, what are we? What are we doing? Yes. Yeah.